I was thinking about that stanza this morning when we were asking each other how we were doing. <laughs> Amazing grace all day long. How good is that to hear? You know, when our brother Tyler was singing those stanzas and we were singing with him, talking about that he paid a debt he did not owe, um, I, I wish I knew words in God's Word better than I do. And one of the words that I, I, I endeavor to be able to understand more clearly and more plainly is, is the word surety. And if you want a, a wonderful word to look up in your dictionary when you get home or you can ask Siri <laughs> or whatever assistant you use, it's a, it's a glorious word. It speaks about how that the Lord Jesus Christ stood as our surety before the foundation of the world. In fact, before there was ever a sinner in the world, the Savior stood as his substitute. And I'm so thankful that the gospel is not a message of God trying to do anything. But the gospel is the Lord Jesus Christ being sent on purpose of the Father to save sinners. Now, I have been enjoying this series of studying the Alpha and the Omega of our salvation. I know that from time to time you'll hear people maybe express an interest in where it is you go, you know, like tell me what's the name of your religion or your denomination? Uh, what, what do you what is what uh, convention <laughs> are you a part of? And uh, I think the 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 I mean, there's no shortage of verses we could turn to, but if you look here, and this I'll just say this by way of introduction into our series of looking at all, at all these letters of the alphabet that, that set forth ever so blessedly the, the glorious uh, Son of God, Jesus Christ, our Lord and God. And in Revelation chapter 21, it says there in verse 6, that's the answer to my question, you know, what, what's, what's, what's your religion? Well, there's really only two categories of religion in the world. There's a religion of do, and then there's the religion of done, D-O-N-E, done. And it says there in Revelation chapter 21, verse 6, And he said unto me, It is done. Who said that? The Lord Jesus Christ said that about the salvation of his people. He said, I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the, and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life. And look at that word, freely. Freely. So this morning we're looking at the letter I, and by way of uh, beginning our examination of that letter I, and by the way, every time I come across a new letter, it's my new favorite letter. <laughs> um, but look what it says in Mark's gospel. Let's use that as our introduction into this subject. In Mark's gospel, in the very beginning, it says there, plainly and clearly, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in the prophets, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare the way before thee. And that brings to mind a passage in Isaiah chapter 40. You turn there with me. This one named Jesus is the Word made flesh. Indeed, God manifest in the flesh. And it says there in verse 40, and I'll read uh, through to verse 3. And I just want to draw your attention 
to who this promised one who is coming. It says there, Comfort ye, comfort ye my people, saith your God. Speak ye comfortably to Jerusalem, and cry unto her that her warfare is accomplished. Notice the verse 2. It says, speak comfortably to Jerusalem. Don't, don't speak to the, the church of Christ in a, in, in, in a heady way, in an intellectual way. But no, rather, as the Lord enables you, speak to her heart and cry unto her that her warfare is accomplished. What happens when warfare is accomplished? Peace. Perfect peace that her iniquity is pardoned, for she hath received of the Lord's hand double for all her sins. The voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. And this is speaking prophetically of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the God-man, God manifest in the flesh. And so the first letter I'd like to park on for just a little bit, uh, maybe you know already where I'm headed. I want to tell you that his name is Emmanuel. <laughs> he, his name is Emmanuel. Look what it says in Isaiah chapter 7. And we looked at this when we were looking at the letter E earlier, didn't we? <laughs> well, that's because in the King James, it spells Emmanuel a little bit differently. But in the Old Testament, it uses the letter I. Look what it says in verse 14. Therefore, the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. And our brother Matthew, the Apostle Matthew, he writes in the gospel that bears his name in Matthew chapter 1, verse 23. And he has in view this very verse I just read to you from Isaiah. But he writes there in Isaiah 1, verse 23, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring, shall bring, and, and shall bring forth the son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. So that's, that's Emmanuel, Allison. Emmanuel. That's the Lord Jesus Christ, God with us. And that leads, uh, seems uh, very logically, to another beautiful title of our Lord Jesus Christ. He is the image of, of God. <laughs> That's right. The Lord Jesus Christ is the image of God. Look what it says in 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians and chapter 4 in verse 4. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 4. It says there, "...in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Now, this is not the only place that we see this title of the Lord Jesus Christ. We also find it in Colossians chapter 1. And I'll uh, leave off wanting to preface every time we look something up, <laughs> if memory serves, because I'm sure... I'm going to find a, an instance where I won't be able to find a verse. But, but look what it says in Colossians 1 and verse 15. He is the image of God, and the apostle writes here, 
that the Lord Jesus Christ, and, and, and look what it says. I'll begin reading this portion in verse 12. Colossians 1, verse 12. Giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness, and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. We, we have that right now, beloved. We have the redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. And in verse 15, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. And again, it, it just sets forth so plainly and clearly. We can con- continue to read on here. This is... Uh, Paul describing our Lord and God, Jesus Christ, much in the same way that the apostle, uh, indeed the evangelist John wrote in the gospel that bears his name. Uh, he wrote there in John 1 verse 3, all things were made by him, the Lord Jesus Christ, and without him was not anything made that was made. And here Paul writes here of the Lord Jesus Christ, for by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him, and he is before all things, and by him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things the Lord Jesus Christ might have the preeminence. So if you looked at Emmanuel, we've looked at the image of God, we've looked at the image of the invisible God, and where shall we go from here? Well, beloved, um, when we think about the Lord Jesus Christ, it is, is to bring to, to mind how that He bore all our iniquities. He is the, the one who is made to bear our iniquities. He's the iniquity bearer, if I could put it that way. He is the iniquity bearer. It says in Isaiah, if you take a look there with me, Isaiah chapter 53, uh, that he was bruised for our... Well, I'll, I'll read verse 11. It says there, He shall see of the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied, for by... His knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. And then here again, I'll uh, begin reading in verse 5 through to verse 6. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He is the iniquity bearer of his people. And then verse 12, Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bare the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors, the transgressors. And that leads to another wonderful title of our, of our Lord Jesus Christ. He is our intercessor. <laughs> he is our intercessor. Uh, look what it says, if you would, with me. 
in uh, Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 7. It says there in verse 25, Wherefore he, our great high priest, the Lord Jesus Christ, is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. Uh, does not your heart just leap with joy <laughs> and comfort to know how the Lord Jesus Christ doesn't try to do anything, but he is the Savior who shall save his people from their sins. And this is uh, another glorious title and attribute of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's our intercessor. Look what it says in Second Corinthians chapter 5. Chapter 5. It says there in verse 18... If, I'll, I'll begin reading in verse 17. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation, to wit, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead, stead, uh, stead, be ye reconciled to God. God does not beg, but I can beg. <laughs> be ye reconciled to God. Be ye reconciled to God through the blood and righteousness of Christ alone. For he hath made him our heavenly Father, made his dear son to be sin for us. He who knew no sin, did no sin, thought no sin, the sinless son of God, the sinless lamb of God, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Now I'll come back to this portion in a moment because there's another uh, wonderful letter I there. I, I don't know if it escaped your attention. He is our imputed righteousness. He is our imputed righteousness. Now I'm still talking about intercessor. And I turn to a, a portion of Scripture a little bit earlier than I wanted to. But if you look with me in Romans chapter 8, again, we're talking about him as our intercessor. How beautifully is he described in Romans chapter 8? In Romans chapter 8, and I'll read to you beginning there in verse Well, it's such a great portion. Uh, I'll begin reading in verse 28, and I'll remind you again where he's described as our great intercessor. In verse 28, the Word of God declares, we know. Uh, it's a revelation from above. We don't just believe it. It's, it's, it's been revealed to us, beloved. We know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose, for whom He did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, for whom God did foreknow, 
God also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among, men, among many brethren. Wherefore, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. Beloved, we are united with the Lord Jesus Christ. We've been made one. And where he is, so are we in this world. As he is, so are we in this world. And look, look at all the EDs, past tense. He called, justified, glorified. Verse 31, what shall we then say to these things? If God before us, who could be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. He's our intercessor, beloved. He's our intercessor. And then, looking back again at that portion in Second Corinthians chapter 5, look what it says there about the Lord Jesus Christ being our imputed righteousness. It says there in verse 19, to wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them. And he hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. And then verse 21, it's speaking about the imputed righteousness of God without works. For God hath made him, his darling son, to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. And we read about that imputed righteousness in Romans chapter 4. Our brother was reading that to us earlier. And uh, how, how wonderful this is. I, I remember being in downtown uh, Merida, and one fellow was trying to tell me that I was there to do good works. I said, no, not at all. And I quoted this verse here, Romans chapter 4, verse 6. As David also described the, the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputeth righteousness without works. Without works. And then in Romans chapter 5, or chapter 3 rather, it says there, in verse 23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Verse 24, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. To declare, I say at this time, his righteousness that he might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. You know, we say with our brother David, King David, he, he writes there in the 71st Psalm, in verse 16, he says, I will go in the strength of the Lord God. I will make mention of thy righteousness, even of thine only. Well, how come? Because the only righteousness that exists is the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. We don't come to his throne of grace like that Pharisee of old 
in blindness and darkness and ignorance, touting what we have done and how that we're not like other men. Oh, no. We beat on our breast and we say with our brother, the publican, be propitious to me, the sinner. Have mercy on me, the sinner. And the Lord Jesus Christ said that man went back to his home justified rather than the other. So we've looked at Emmanuel. Emmanuel, he is God with us. Uh, we looked at he is the invisible God, indeed the image of the invisible God. And there's uh, more verses, I suppose, we could look at when we're talking about that. I was only showing you where it was said there in Second Corinthians 4.4 4 and First Corinthians, or rather Colossians 1.15. But it also says of him in Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 1 through to verse 3. What a wonderful portion of Scripture there. It says there in verse 1, God who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. So we've looked at Emmanuel, how that he's God with us. He's the, the image of God, the image of the Father, the expressed image of the Father. He is the invisible image of God. He is our intercessor. He is the one who is the iniquity bearer of his people. What else can we say of him? He is uh, our imputed righteousness. He's the, he's the Lord Jesus Christ, our righteousness. He is the Lord, our righteousness. And when we talk about this being, this imputed righteousness, I found a, a verse of Scripture that also employs this, this title, I. He is the image of the heavenly. <laughs> what a beautiful title of our Lord Jesus Christ. If you look at with me in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, in verse, chapter 15 and verse 49, speaking about the, the dual natures we have, you know, the, the old man, and this, this flesh of ours, this cadaver we bring around, born in the, uh, that has borne the, the image of the earthly, that is fallen Adam. Uh, but it also speaks of the gospel, Christ in you, that we shall also bear the image of, of the heavenly, <laughs> although uh, I don't see that in myself, and and you don't see that in yourself, it is so beloved. Christ in you is the the sure and certain hope of glory. Look what it says in First Corinthians, or rather, first the first epistle of John, uh, chapter four. It's a it's a wonderful portion there, and it says there. I'll begin reading at verse 15. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him, and he in God. And we have known and believed that the love that God hath to us, it's, it's, it's not just uh, some heady thing. It's, it's, it's a work of the heart. It's a, it's a heart work. 
God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. Verse 17. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness, confidence, certainty in the day of judgment. Because as the Lord Jesus Christ is, so are we in this world. He is the image of the heavenly. The image of the heavenly. That's 1 Corinthians 15, verse 49. And then by way of uh, conclusion, let's look at the last letter I have. He is the immortal God, the immortal God. So we've looked at Emmanuel. He is Emmanuel. He is the image of God. He is the, uh, the, the, the invisible image of God. He is the expressed image of the Father. He is the, the iniquity bearer of his people. He is... Uh, did you ever th- just take a moment to think about this? <laughs> no man can be glorified this way, except one man, the Lord Jesus Christ. You go ahead and take any false prophet in religion and try and do what we're doing with the Lord Jesus Christ. It's it's not possible. (laughs) He is the A to Z of our salvation. He is the A to Z of our confession. He is the A to Z of our glory. You know, we we don't glory in ourselves. We glory in the Lord Jesus Christ. We glory in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we don't we don't preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord for your sakes. Yeah. Um, so just going through that that review, he's our, our intercessor. He's our imputed righteousness. He is the image of the heavenly. And then lastly, by way of conclusion, I just pray he'd hide one of these in my heart. You know that will just stay for a while. <laughs> or, or you know, you ever notice when he hides a verse in your heart, it kind of just stays there. <laughs> Uh, that that's uh, why, why is that? Uh, that's love. That's all it is. It's love. It's not some uh, intellectual exercise where you can show off to people. Not at all. Look what it says in Romans five five. It says, "Hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us." And then again in Second Corinthians four, it says there, speaking of of the the this uh, the work of God. Remember what the Lord Jesus Christ said to that multitude? <laughs> they said, what is the work that we might work the works of God? And the Lord Jesus Christ looked at them and he said, this is the work of God. Now, Gary and I were talking about that. Revelation 3.20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Nobody's opening that door unless the Lord Jesus Christ doesn't first open your heart. I mean... The religious ideas of religious unconverted men, they don't have the foggiest clue. And the only reason why we do, beloved, is because God in mercy and grace has revealed these things to us. I mean, think about Acts chapter 13. I'll come back. Well, no, let me just read what I wanted to read to you in Second Corinthians 4. It says here, We preach not ourselves but Christ Jesus, the Lord, and ourselves, your servants, for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. I wonder if the Apostle Paul was remembering Lydia. Maybe he was. (laughs) Remember Lydia? Acts chapter 13. I got one more eye to talk about, and then we'll conclude. But in Acts chapter 13... I believe that's where that's recorded. Acts chapter 13. 
it says there, no, Acts chapter 14, excuse me. It says there in verse 8 of Acts chapter 14, verse 8, and there sat a certain, um, no, I'm mistaken there as well. Give me a moment here. Sixteen. Fourteen? Yeah. Acts chapter 16, verse 14. I just read to you 2 Corinthians 4, 6, where Paul writes about how the Lord commanding the light to shine. And you have to wonder, did not the Apostle Paul think of Lydia when he was moved with the Holy Spirit to write the Word of God there? And a certain woman named Lydia, a seller of purple of the city of Tyra, which worshiped God, heard us, and notice that provenient grace, grace before grace, whose heart the Lord opened, that she attended unto the things which were spoken of Paul, which uh, leads to my final eye, the immortal God. What was Paul preaching? Well, he was preaching the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, Christ to him crucified. And no doubt... He would have declared to Lydia the same thing he declared to young Timothy. First Timothy chapter 1, verse 15, verse 13. Paul writes to young Timothy, Before I was a blasphemer, a persecutor, an injurious, I caused, I caused injury to the body of Christ. But I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And in the grace of our Lord, and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ was exceeding abundant with faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. Timothy, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. Howbeit for this cause I obtain mercy, that in me first Jesus Christ might show forth all long suffering for a pattern. He's the, the pattern apostle to them which should hereafter believe on the Lord Jesus Christ to life everlasting. Now, under the King eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. He is the King eternal, and notice those words, immortal, invisible. Amen.